Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry, hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. Welcome everybody to a new episode of PR360 and I'm your host, Brett Deister. A little bit about me is that I do a podcast on PC gaming called Digital Coffee, but we're here to talk about the best and brightest PR tech people in the industry. And I have with me Jason Morber, and he has been in the business for quite a while doing storytelling. He's done a really great job with crafting stories and making sure that the brand stories is up to par and resonates with people. But a little bit about him is that he has done Senior Comm, CRS, Purpose, and Marketing Executive with Verizon and QVC as well. He also has a unique background in cultural studies, creative arts, and startups. So the majority of his career has been focused on supporting thought leaders and trailblazers. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And so my first question is going to be a hard one. Coffee or tea? Which is your favorite one in the morning? Tea. I have a love-hate relationship with caffeine. I actually, about five years ago, stopped caffeine altogether, made it through about three and a half, four years of that, went back on caffeine for a little bit and realized I'm much better without it. And so teas, mostly without caffeine, and typically, I guess you would call them medicinal. Believe it or not, I have a garden here on the East Coast, and I grow different herbs and that sort of thing to make my own teas. Like mostly it would, it's not that exciting. It's mint and lemon verbena and lemon balm, that sort of thing. Tea is the answer for me. Nice. I'm usually a lover of both, but mostly coffee for me in the morning. Plus my podcast is called digital coffee. So I'm a little bit a lover of tea, but moving on, you love storytelling. So what are some of your favorite books about storytelling or fiction or what are your favorite books? Yeah, my favorite storytellers tend to be essayists. It's a bit of a prejudice. I love the personal essay, those that journal, et cetera, tells stories about their personal lives. And then people that research, I guess you'd call them biographies, but like microbiographies, sort of short stories about people's lives. I give you a short list. My favorite for storytelling is this unique volume which is a collection of shipwreck sailor stories going all the way back to like the 1600s called Desperate Journeys and Abandoned Souls. And it's the amazing survival stories of these individuals who either pirates or were captured by pirates and people would be left on an island trying to figure out how they're going to survive. It's amazing that people actually kept records, journaled somehow. If you can imagine the 1700s being left on an abandoned island, you still had some parchment and a pen, and you were able to still keep your diary. But it's really fascinating, the different bends, the twists in the stories, and how these folks survive. Another one is by Anthony Bourdain, is his sort of breakthrough Kitchen Confidential, just the frankness of his storytelling, just that directness that he had in his language, I think, was very compelling. There's another essayist named Andy Dillard, shared a book called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, then a first-person narrative about seeing and being in the moment. There's a piece of fiction I like called Book of Common Prayer by Joan Didion, who's actually known as an essayist. But her Book of Common Prayer is just an amazing story, just the flow of it. You're just captured by it. And it's the language is so quick 
it's very efficient. It kind of brings you along. I, I think that's a great strategy, for, especially for our era of storytelling, where sensationalism runs the day. It's a great practice. And just quickly, there's Black Tents of Arabia, written by this gentleman named Karl Razwan, who, who sort of embedded himself in the 1910s, 20s, and 30s with different tribes in Arabia. Going back to the story of shipwrecked sailors, this is book, which is amazing. And then another piece of fiction called Short Stories is by this guy named Bryce DJ Pancake, who just wrote one book of short stories before he died. And they're just amazing. Again, similar to my comment about Annie Dill, I mean, to Joan Didion, is that there's just an efficiency in the lines, just in the writing. It just really brings you to the point pretty fast. And then it has these twists and turns and, and just a a very short, compact way. I just find it really fascinating. That is quite a collection of storytellers that you enjoy. Moving on to more of your work, how has storytelling been different between the agencies trying to tell a story for a company and working for a company and doing storytelling? What's the similarities and what are the differences between those two? Well, the, the big difference is time and you would say resources. So Agencies, you know, will receive the assignment and then it's like heads down, hurry up, let's get this thing done. And it's all nighter just trying to crank something out. So your sense of time is just propelled. The momentum of it's so quick. I would say on the brand side, you got a longer lead time. You got more time to think about it because you're really trying to figure out what the right story is. Plus, there's the collaboration and the consensus building you, you need to do on a brand side to get a project going. So the timing is very different. And it leads to different types of stories. So on an agency side, I would say you could take more risks or you're sort of forced to take more risks, let's say, presenting a palette of stories and seeing what the, someone on the brand side thinks of it. Well, on the brand side, you really just have time to sew and, and weave that right story with all your different partners and get it together. They're both high risk. You can imagine you show up with a palette of five to six story ideas and they might all work. One might work. Uh, they all might fall flat. You don't know. And on the brand side, I tend to find you'll sort of pick one story and you put all your eggs in that basket and hope for the best. So I, I think the biggest difference is, is that sense of time and the way that stories are put together. Well, agencies tend to lean on the genius of their team. We have the best people. These are the people we've hired. Maybe we do some research. The brand side, it's really much more about getting that feedback from more, from more people, working with your research team, working with your different agencies more than one, and using those inputs to help you find the right stories. It's very different. It's very different. Just It's a question of the timing, I think. Mm, yeah, it seems like a contrast between not a lot of time and more time to actually develop a story. But do you think telling a story or storytelling has become a little bit more of a buzzword? Impact has brought it down because everybody on social media is like, tell your story, tell a story. Okay, I get it. But what does that really mean anymore? Absolutely. It's like the word content. We've run out of words in the English language to better describe these new types of stories and the different facets of storytelling. And so everything becomes story versus really what they are, which is a certain niche type story or a certain approach to a story. We've just, as I said before, we've just run out of the right words. I think we need more words. It'd be great if we all got together and, and as an industry or as a culture and said, you know what, we need more words, let's go invent them. In the meantime, I think for simplicity's sake, most people sort of stick to just this general term story and storytelling. But yes, so it's become a buzzword. 
It's not very clear. I think people lean on it as a crutch. And when they really need to say something else, and I think we just need more words, it gets back to that time issue. There's such a demand for immediacy, for things to be delivered now, 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 and to get into the sort of into the zeitgeist, to get out into the world so quickly that we just rely on fewer and fewer words to do so versus taking the time and the resources to say, you know, what really are the right words here? And what's the right way to do this? And what would we really call this thing? And should we even do that? I just think we live in a very hyper-accelerated time period. Our cycles are just so fast that we not spend enough time on the right words in exchange for delivering outputs faster. And so with that, like, what type of personality traits or skills does it take for someone to do what you do with crafting stories for brands? So there's two sides to it. Like much of this conversation, you'll see that there's definitely two sides to this coin. There's the immediate side, and then there's sort of the long lead, the long read side. I think in general, you have to be very creative. And that means different things to different people creative. So when I say creative, I mean a bit of resiliency, a bit of being able to pivot, to sort of think on your feet, to react in real time. I think to be a great storyteller, you have to have like a very wide vision at all times, yet a very quick pen. Meaning you could keep researching stories forever and fine-tuning and fine-tuning it. There's that great Mark Twain quote, if I had more time, it'd be shorter. And I think that that's kind of the key is how do you get succinct? How do you get clear and clear and clear and clear as fast as possible? And so I think that the skill sets in an agency or even at a brand is that, is can you encapsulate quickly? Can you find clarity quickly and still maintain your impact? And that I think is creativity. I don't think creativity is the right word, but it's that ability to see clearly, to see the nuances, to capture those nuances and to get it out as quickly as possible. You always have to have that broad vision of how the story is going to end, even in a brand side, because every year you might actually craft a new story. But to you, what creates or makes a compelling story? It breaks my heart a bit as a person that liked mentioned the book before, which I think are longer reads. I think these days, let's say if we say compelling, it's compelling to whom and what's the objective? The objective for brands these days goes back to that point of immediacy, quickness, fleet of foot, just how do we quickly get involved in a conversation or get our work visible? And so I I think that immediacy really, unfortunately, takes over. I, I just think that's become an unfortunate detriment to good storytelling. When it comes to compelling stories in the immediacy side of the house, it's that sensationalism. It's what is so spectacular and magnetic that I just can't not read it. And that tends to be extreme these days. It tends to be more like the National Enquirer used to be, these sort of the supermarket stand, crazy headlines, let's call them clickbait these days. Just what did that? can't believe that. Let me look at that. Has sort of become a quick fix to compelling storytelling. I say those stories are kind of short. They're not very deep. But these days what the objective is, especially in the news media, to get attention, they work. I would say if you're looking, if you have the time and you have that patience, I think that what makes a compelling story are, is resonant truth. So if you imagine one side is kind of spectacular magnetism, I just can't take my eyes off it. The other side is more of a, can I make a story resonate 
with the gut, with that heart of a person. So how do I find the right narrative, the right path, the right story arc, so that someone's going to read this and really feel it in their soul? And that, I think, is the key. That is really the trick to do that. Now, how do you do that? That's a lot of research, in my opinion. It's looking for insights, real insights, not necessarily data points. It's a bit journalistic. It's interviewing people. It's going out into the field, so to speak, and talking to people or living in a town or, you know, so I'll give you an example. And media is, unfortunately, it's centralizing rather than decentralizing. So it's, it's rolling up all the local newsrooms into sort of a larger city. But I think you need to go back into those local areas. So if I want to really tell a story about something that's pressing these days, let's say anything about the coal industry, which is really big, especially with our current administration, is it good or is it bad, et cetera. I think you need to go out to coal country. You need to be there. You need to go talk to the people. You need to live there for a while. You need to pick up those nuances. You're really going to be able to develop a great story. Now, who has the time for that? Who's got the budget for that? But if you do, that would really be the way. So instead, what you find is people doing online research, reading previous work, secondary research, and I think you miss it, but that compelling story is only going to come from being there and picking up those nuances. I think if you can do that work, it's going to be a plethora of options for you. More than you realize, you probably end up with a series and you end up being able to do more than what you thought. That's really interesting. So how do you go about starting to create something like that? Where is the first step to doing it? Because I think a lot of people are just stuck on the first step of how do you do this? Yeah, research and insights. I mean, I know that sounds easier said than done, but I think you have to find what's invisible, what's between the lines. And that's a practice. That's an art form. And if you're new to it, that's not going to happen overnight. That really is practice. And the way you practice that is, is let's say you pick a topic and you really can't go to the location. So you go online, you use search engines, and you look up different stories and words and things you find around a certain topic. And then you try to find what no one else has said before. And you try to find sort of what's in between those lines, what's hidden, what's a hidden driver. I love that term, hidden driver. What's hidden in this? And then can you take that and can you work on that? And sometimes that's 80% of the work is just find that hidden driver. And the story part's super easy because you found it. You found your pivot, you found your anchor. But to start, I would say you should need to go and do that research. Again, it sounds a bit journalistic, but you need to go find out what's going on and you need to find out what someone else hasn't said before. And if you imagine this sort of as a three-part Venn diagram, and you need to find out the part that you uniquely see. So it's the research, find out what's been said before, and then what's uniquely that you can bring to the table, and that's where you get started. And then sometimes the writing can be kind of crappy. Then you don't have to worry about being such a great craftsman, wordsmith. You could be okay because you're building it on something that's pretty profound. So is it easy to be profound? No, but it, it's worth trying. It's going to make all the stories everything you do much stronger. Again, if you're a weak writer, a profound story can make anyone famous. Yeah. I mean, I guess the old story about George Lucas being a really good storyteller, but not so good about his dialogue resonates with me when you were talking about that. But moving on, what content do you think brands or are best suited for brands for delivering their storytelling? Is it video? Is it audio? Is it both? Is it pictures? Is it written word? What do you think? Yeah, I don't mean to sound elusive, but I think it depends on the objective and the audience. And it depends on what the brand's doing. So if you're going to say we're a retail brand, I think you have to be multidimensional. I think you have to have stories in your spaces. You have to have stories online. You have to have videos. You have to do more because 
you're trying to reach a larger audience and your margins are shorter. So you have to do a, like a big full court press. So I think you're looking at lots of different angles. If you're a B2B customer, B2B company, I think it's different because you're really, your target's very niche and you got to find that customer. And in that case, that customer might never be online reading news. That customer might be just watching YouTube videos. I don't know. So that would define where you need to do your storytelling. I think you could find out that information pretty easy through surveys, through some short research. But if I go with something more general, like a retail brand, I think it's a question of doing and learning, meaning you start with the whole palette and then you see what's working best. So you could say, let's do video, let's do some audio. You know, podcasting is, is very big right now, but it doesn't mean that your audience is there, but let's try it. Let's get stuff out there and then let's compare. Oh, look, we had this many views on our videos, this many downloads of our podcast, this many engagements on social. Looks like these two channels are the best. Let's double down on those and let's see if that works. I think that you really have to be open to the market to see the behaviors, learn from those behaviors and to go with it. So again, I would say to start, you start wide unless you have that insight about a customer. If you have that insight about a customer, then I think you start niche. Mm, yes. Even for podcasting, it's always about niching yourself first and then branching out yourself. But Interesting. Yeah. Sure. I actually read a book called Big Podcasts, and that's really how it was about. Niche yourself first and then branch yourself out more. It's funny, in sales jargon, I learned this from a great salesperson. He called it land and expand. Yeah, that's really about it. So what are some of your favorite tools or tools that you think is necessary to monitor the impact of your story that you're creating or have created? So if it's a low budget situation, hashtags on Twitter are amazing. Just using the, the, the research, the, I say the advanced search function on Twitter, just a goldmine of information to see what's going on, who's saying what, et cetera. So I, I love that as this is a tool to sort of get a finger on the pulse of what's going on around a topic. Again, it's not necessarily the truth or, or what you have to follow, but you get a sense like, okay, so here's a topic and here's what people are saying about it. And you can kind of dig in a little bit there and start to find people, maybe they're subject matter experts to see what they're saying about it. Maybe you go into a bit of a rabbit hole towards different blogs or different other sort of smaller magazines or niche sites that begin to talk about a topic. But I, I like starting with hashtags on Twitter. On the other end of the spectrum, there's lots of software and different vendors out there that can monitor and report for you. I'm prejudiced. I have a favorite. They're called Turbine Labs. I love their reports. I love what they do. If I have the budget and the time, I would definitely use them. And they're basically, they're using Twitter information, other social media information, kind of the big fire hose, but then they're dumping it through artificial intelligence and machine learning. And they're beginning to filter out sort of what you would call bad stuff and leave in the good stuff. And you can nuance that and say, listen, I'm really trying to find information about X, Y, and Z, and they can help you with that. And I love that type of service. I think there's, I don't want to use the word truth, but finding the truth through all the noise or the signal through the noise. And if you can have access to that type of tool, I think it's great. Somewhere in between the two would be a service like Brandwatch, another social monitoring tool where you can be able to get some feedback. But you can really do this work manually just by search at Twitter if you had to and building your own reports and finding out your own research. Again, my personal process, the one I actually recommend when people ask me, such as you are asking now, is start with those insights and then try to find those hidden drivers. And whatever tools you can use to find that, I think are great. If you have access to a panel of experts, let's say, it's sort of like Twitter plus, can I find the five people? Maybe you engage with them. So you found a topic, you found people talking about it. Can you go talk to them and say, hey, listen, 
as I'm building this story, I want your opinion on things. I want to get your feedback on stuff. So I don't know if you'd call that a tool, but it's definitely a tool-like approach. It's finding a set of people, maybe five to 10, and then asking them their opinion about something. If, if you can, if your story is have to keep it private or under wraps before you launch it, then it's different. But I think the more feedback you can get, that's not only a tool, but it's definitely a process.